What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. I'm joined by Neil Sinha and Aiden McCrone. The time is currently 9.05 p.m. And the Pistons have just played the Los Angeles Lakers. They did fall to them, but uh, boys, what were y'all thinking? What were y'all thoughts on the game? It was an awesome game. I mean, honestly, it had a lot of things that I think us as Pistons fans have been waiting to see. You know, a competitive game, a clear contender in the NBA. Um, I mean, literally the Lakers had LeBron back from the injury. AD was playing too. And then, of course, Russell Westbrook too. So it was it was a great game in terms of the, you know, actual basketball stuff because the Pistons kept it close. They were leading by the time LeBron and Isaiah Stewart got ejected. Um, but I think obviously everything's going to be overshadowed by what happened between Isaiah Stewart and LaBilda Bear. So we can, we'll get into that later though. Yeah. The fight between, uh, Stewart and LaMickey, we're just going to do all these LeBron just names tonight, um, just to get them out of our system. But the Pistons, I thought they had that game in the bag. They were up by between like 13 to like 17 18 the whole night and then they couldn't buy a bucket at the at the in the fourth quarter and really it just came down to the Lakers were playing a lot of zone and they could just they were just breaking that down pretty easily and you know Cade ended up with a triple double Jeremy had 30 points through three quarters and then, yeah, they moved to man, and then Russ Westbrook started heating up, and Anthony Davis, you know, he got his. And, yeah, they I mean, they, they both showed why they're Hall of Famers and why they're still, you know, worth a lot. But I, re- I really thought they had that game in the bag. So I think it's a little more disappointing now that, like, they, they had the fight and then they lost because – you know, if they if the fight happened, like all that shit happened, and they won, you know, it kind of gets it doesn't get swept under the rug, but you know, it makes you look a little bit better. But the fact that they lost and that happened was a little, uh, eh, it, 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 it kind, it's kind of a letdown, even though I know we're tanking. Yeah, no, it's quite tough to like. I know we want to talk about the fight, but just from the game perspective, I think we can get into like why the Pistons actually ended up losing this game. And a couple of things I'll say is the fourth quarter was like, Epsimo was very bad. I think there was a stat going around that the Lakers were shooting 70% from the field and the Pistons were shooting 12% of the field. Now, like a lot of people have been coming at Dwayne Casey's neck. Like they've been really coming at Casey's neck about his rotations, specifically about how in that game, There's a play, Hamadou Diallo gets a block on uh, Russell Westbrook. And (laughs) no, gets a block on Russell Westbrook. And the the Pistons are an opportunity to challenge. It was a clean block. It was called as a foul. They don't challenge it. And then you follow that up. You play Corey Joseph and God knows Trey Lyles for five minutes. The Lakers obviously make a comeback. And then you put in Cade, who also, while he got a triple-double, it wasn't his best game, but you put all your young guys in and then all of a sudden they struggle. They go to ISO ball. And I don't know, like I'm just getting fed up of seeing Trey Lyles. <laughs> I just don't like seeing Trey Lyles with his pump fakes, but um, yeah, no, like you said, Aiden, it was a really winnable game and it really sucks that they couldn't win, but there are, there were some positives. So one of the positives that I kind of want to talk about was uh, Hamadou Diallo. So first Diallo, you know, if you guys haven't been paying attention in this season, he basically was not getting much playing time. He wasn't playing at all. There were games where he was just sit, sitting in his warmups. In fact, the situation got so bad that he, Casey, in the game against Cleveland, Dwayne Casey asked Hamadou Diallo to check in, and Diallo just gave him a shrug, and it was really bad. Troy Weaver was talking to Diallo. He took him into the locker room, and at this point, uh, the Pistons were interested in Marvin Bagley, which may or may not be something that we could get into later in the podcast, but it looked like Diallo's going to be traded. Now he comes in and we're just seeing the full athletic uh, arsenal and display. I mean, he was everywhere, blocking shots, getting rebounds, finishing. He was even like making his shots, which is what was always the thing holding Diallo back. But yeah, what were you guys' thoughts on Diallo? And then maybe just like the overall bench. Well, I thought the bench played great tonight. 
But I just want to say that one of our best lineups tonight was with Josh Jackson and Diallo on the floor at the same time. And yeah. I like you just don't think that works, but it, it works somehow. And I think I mean Frank Jackson had a really nice night too. Um yeah, like obviously like Trey Lyles. We could go on forever about Trey <laughs> fucking Lyles. And like <laughs> like dude, he just yeah, he's just like sticking out like a sore thumb right now and i think that at the trade deadline they're gonna trade for or like before the trade deadline they're gonna trade for you know a four or five player um who they're gonna trade to get that player i don't know yet but um but yeah the josh jackson hamadou diallo lineup was was pretty impressive that was in like the second quarter they went on a pretty nice run um, but yeah, I don't know. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, call me crazy, but I actually think with uh, Kelly Olenek being healthy, the Pistons probably win this game. And the reason why I say that is just because I think he's a big upgrade over Trey Lyles. And the reason why Trey Lyles is actually getting like a decent amount of minutes recently is because Olenek's hurt. And they have no depth at the four or five positions right now because after Isaiah Stewart, it's just Luca Garza, and Garza cannot defend. I mean, we we will probably get into that later too. But he just the last few games, the little bit that he's played, my God, the other team just feasts on him in the post. So, yeah, I think with Olenek, the Pistons probably do better with that second lineup, and they possibly hold on to this game. I think they do. Um, yeah, I mean, Hamidou Diallo is something that we've all been like you know, clamoring for as Pistons fans, because he clearly showed, you know, signs of flashes last year that, in my opinion, warranted some playing time, at least this year. In fact, I thought he might even be a starter at this point in the season. Um, but instead, as you were saying, and I, you know, two weeks ago against the Cavs, um, he didn't even come on after Dwayne Casey asked him to come on because he hasn't been getting any minutes. So, it's been a tough situation, but he's been making the most of his minutes recently. You know, today, 17 points, six rebounds. Um, he only took one three, but he did make it. And then he's looked very good like the last two or three games because he started to actually get quite a few minutes. And so I think that's something that Dwayne Casey is going to have to keep. Um, another player that I wanted to touch on, by the way, was Frank Jackson. I thought he was fantastic tonight, and he's been fantastic recently, too. Like, Honestly, he reminds me a lot of uh, Vinny Johnson, microwave Vinny Johnson, if you guys remember him from the Bad Boys. Yeah, so he he used to come off the bench for those guys, and he would just, like, heat up in an instant. I mean, just splash threes. You know, he, he would make, like, three threes in one minute, and then, boom, the game had suddenly changed momentum. And that's kind of what Frank Jackson reminds me of. Today he had 15 points. The other day he had – I think he had 27 the other game. So he's looked really, really good recently. And that's a good sign for Detroit because they need that scoring off the bench. I think someone who he reminds me of is like a like a Van Vliet. Like Van Vliet, when he was uh, in Toronto backing up for Lowry, especially on that run when they won the championship. Uh, he, he was really good coming off the bench. Just like you were saying, just heat up. Yeah, yeah, Frank Jackson's one of those players. But I said he was like one of my most disappointing players. And the moment I said that, he finally got his stuff. He finally got his shit together. And he was like making threes and stuff. And when Frank Jackson's on, then the whole team just benefits because they've been, they've needed shooting badly. Like Olenek goes out, their games. I mean, we can talk about the Golden State game if we want to get into that. But that game, the shooting was putrid. So when Frank Jackson's on, the whole team is on. So that's always good to see. But I mean, we should, for the viewers, for the people who are listening to this podcast, it wouldn't be a true podcast if we didn't talk about the Isaiah Stewart, LeBron James incident. So Wait, but now, let me just, can I, add, just, can I just add something real quick? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is about Frank Jackson too. I think the other thing that he adds is that he completely spaces the floor. And one thing that we've been talking about nonstop with Kate Cunningham is that he needs shooters around him. Today, he gets a Kate Cunningham gets a triple double with, you know, 13 points, 10 assists, and 12 rebounds. I think that was a big part because of Frank Jackson. The amount of threes that Frank Jackson's been hitting the last, you know, couple games um, off Kate Cunningham passes has been ridiculous. And so I think it, it's a clear need that they, you know, really have been looking for. And it's really helped them a lot in the past few games. I think the Pistons have honestly gotten 
like almost exponentially better the past few games just because Frank Jackson has been hitting his shots nonstop. And then we'll get into the other stuff too. But, you know, that that's so key for Detroit right now. Yeah, for sure. So do you guys want to get into it now? The the beef stew, LeBron James. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. The beef so stew for, beef. So for the for the people, we'll get into like basketball, but just for just a quick second, for the people who did not watch the game in the third quarter, I believe was it Jeremy Grant taking a free throw? I think or Sadiq Bit. Someone was taking a free throw for the Pistons. And next thing you know, it's just chaos ensuing. Um, it looks like LeBron got beef stew with what initially what initially people thought was an elbow, but that looked like a fist. That looked like a straight of almost a half close fist straight to beef stew, and he was bleeding like crazy. And then, and then at the same time, beef stew gets uh, Isaiah Stewart has to get held back by LeBron. He's trying to attack LeBron. He's getting held back. And then it's one of those things where they're all holding back. It looks calm, and then beef stew comes back again. And this thing happens like three or four times, and the end result is uh, LeBron James gets ejected. Isaiah Stewart gets ejected. LeBron gets a flagrant two. Isaiah Stewart gets two technicals. And then Russell Westbrook also gets a technical. But overall, when you guys were seeing that, what were your guys' thoughts? Um, do you like the move by Isaiah Stewart? Do you think, or do you think maybe he should have been more mature about the way? I think most fans would agree he would probably should have been more mature about it. But I mean, you have to love that emotion, right? Personally, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um and I don't – the only thing that I think was wrong with it for Isaiah Stewart was that I think I counted three different times that he charged at LeBron because first, you know, they get little – they get clumped up together and he's he's screaming at him. And then he breaks – he literally shoves Dwayne Casey. I don't know if you guys saw that. But the first time he, like, broke out of everyone's, you know, fists and everything, he just shoved Dwayne Casey. And then he charges at LeBron and then Russell Westbrook gets in it. And then he charges at Anthony Davis after that and then comes back and charges literally running across the court. It was funny. He looked like Jonathan Taylor today, you know, running back. Um, and, and so I, that was the only issue I had with it is that you got to control your emotions and know when to stop also because you can't be shoving your head coach, Dwayne Casey. And he also literally ran over quite a few assistant coaches today too. So he's got to know how to control his emotions like that, but I love it because you know, LeBron, that's a clear ejection. There was no need for it. Um, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people on Twitter have been saying that, well, Isaiah was like hooking him a little bit, but that that's just the nature of going for a rebound off a free throw. That's how it works. And so LeBron literally just flicked the elbow and then the fist, like you said, and I, and I mean, it literally cut Isaiah's eye and he had a bloody lip from it. So I have no problem with that. You know, you got to stand up for yourself and you got to stand up for your you know, your team too. And frankly, I was actually a little surprised that the, or that the refs um, ejected LeBron just because, you know, we all know the treatment LeBron gets as being the best player in the league and so on. And also considering that this was against Detroit. So, but, you know, I thought it was a good call by the officials and I like it from Isaiah Stewart. You know, the other thing I'll say is that I think a lot of people are going to be pretty scared of starting, you know, fights with Isaiah Stewart because this is like, this is like the third big player that Isaiah Stewart has gotten in a fight with. Like first it started with Giannis, then Blake Griffin a few times, and then now LeBron too. Yeah, don't forget Embiid in that list too. But yeah, I mean, I think that was that was a cheap shot by LaFraud. And <laughs> quite, quite frankly, I, I would have gone after him. But like, it does raise the question a little bit about Isaiah Stewart because he is getting in a lot of these fights of like whether he's just like he's just a chippy guy like Ben Wallace or something like that because obviously Pistons fans will eat that up about like comparing him to Ben Wallace but I mean it does it does raise some questions about like you know when when we're in the playoffs like it two, three years down the road, I mean, probably a little bit longer, but like three, five years down the road, if we're in the playoffs, can we trust you to control your emotions? Like when we actually need you? Cause like, you know, you can do this in a, in the regular season and you know, you get suspended, like we're tanking, like you can get away with it, but like, can we trust you to keep your emotions in check and not go after somebody 
in a playoff game and like game game four, game five, you know, and not fuck everything up. Um, especially when it like matters more. So I think I think that raises a little bit of a question, but I, I mean, I don't blame him. Um, I probably would have gone after him too. I think he doesn't realize how like strong he is. Like he is a NFL defensive end and he was just plowing through, you know, like 40, 50 year old assistant coaches. <laughs> so, I mean, like that's nothing to him. So I think he needs to be a, a little bit careful. I'm sure he, I'm sure he apologized to uh, his teammates and some of the people he ran over after the game. But yeah, I think, I think that raises a little bit of a question, but I don't, I don't blame him for, for tonight at least. Yeah, no, I will say the team desperately missed Isaiah Stewart, especially in the fourth quarter, because once Stewart went out, uh, Anthony Davis just became LeBron. I mean, he just became like Jordan or something. Like he, he really woke up in the fourth quarter and, and the, the Pistons couldn't do anything. They were undersized. So that is one thing that's kind of tough with losing Stewart. But um, yeah, I mean, that's what you kind of play the game for, for those types of emotional moments. So I mean, I'm glad to see uh, Isaiah Stewart, you know, get in those situations and not back down. And I also will say, I don't think he'll be suspended for that long. At the most, I'll see probably like two or three games. But like we have to consider he didn't really throw any punches. It was more so him just like you guys said, charging at the assistants, pushing Dwayne Casey out of the way. So nothing too crazy out of the nature. So no, no punches were thrown. So in that regard, I don't think the suspension would be that long and I think um hopefully we get to see Isaiah Stewart and LeBron when the Pistons play the Lakers next week um next Sunday actually exactly one week from now so that'll be interesting to look at now one more yeah I think that's I think that's I think that's part of the thing though is that they might suspend him long enough for him not to play in that game you think so but I don't know I'm not I'm not sure honestly because I don't think they want anything breaking out so they might just be like you're suspended until like that game. So, or they just might not like, I don't know. They might not suspend him for the next like game or two, but they might be like, sit this one out. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I don't know. I think in terms of what it warrants, like, I think it's definitely a suspension, but I would say probably, you know, if, if Jokic got a one game suspension for what happened with Markeith Morris, yeah. I think this has to be, frankly, at most one or two games, and that's mm-hmm. it. But I think, Aiden, that's a good point because they play each other in a week. We could see it being, like, exactly a four-game suspension just so it leads up after until, you know, after they play the Lakers, um, which would be unfortunate because, like you said, Anthony Davis just went absolutely off. I don't know if you guys saw, by the way, but he started talking trash to Jalen Rose in the first row too, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, just uh, just because I also want one more thing I want to say on that thing. I actually wouldn't be surprised. Let's say he doesn't get suspended for the for the Lakers game. LaFraud or LeBron, <laughs> Le, LeBron James, Look. I would be surprised if he takes the <laughs> he takes a rest day off too. Maybe doesn't want to, you know, get into the get into too much trouble with Mr. Beef Stew. But one more defining moment for the Pistons and one bright spot today was Jeremy Grant. I mean. This man just took over the game at the end of the first half and then even just to continue on in the third quarter and fourth quarter. Now, there's obviously been a lot more of an uproar in the fan base wanting to trade Jeremy Grant after he has struggled. I guess the idea is that they understand that he's not the number one option on the championship team. So the idea is like, you know, give Cade the ball. But I think today Jeremy Grant showed, you know, why he was that why he was that player that came to Trey and all the fans started loving him. I mean, he was, he was as efficient as it gets. And I will lie. I don't like, I don't like Jeremy Grant at ISOs in the fourth quarter, to be honest though, that's more of like a whole team thing. They just kind of stray away from passing the ball. Like they did so well in the first three quarters. And once crunch time comes, they just try to do Kobe, Brown. they just try to do ISO, which is frustrating. But I mean, Jeremy Grant balled out. I mean, I was impressed. What do you guys think of Grant? I liked him. No, no, I'm joking. I mean, he played, he played well. Um, one of his underrated skills is ball movement. He can really, 
he he's really good at moving the ball, especially like um when he's at the the uh, the elbow, when he gets the ball there and faces up, he most of the time takes it. He just takes it to the rack. But when he has his back to the basket, he has some pretty good vision. And then when he's on the when he's at the top of the key, he has he has good vision of like swinging an extra pass just to get like Frank Jackson wide open. And I think I think he uh, he played pretty well again like first three quarters and then fourth quarter is like ISO. So I mean that's just a that's just a problem within the team. But I think that the trade the trade rumors it's like what is what are they getting for him? Because I don't see why it'd be necessary to trade him especially since the Pistons value him a lot more than other teams. And he's like, his efficiency is a lot higher on the Pistons. So it, it just doesn't make sense right now. But like, again, like tanking. So if you really want like the first pick again, so like, yeah. So I don't know. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was pretty impressed with Jeremy Grant today. He's been a little bit inconsistent so far this season. Um, frankly, he'd been pretty disappointing at the beginning of the season until like the Houston Rockets game, where I forget how many he dropped. I want to say it was like 35 or something. But since then, he's been a little bit more consistent, putting up like 19 and 24-point games. So, and then obviously, like we said tonight, 36 points. So he looks he looks good. Um, I do think you know, the opinion that he's not a number one option on a championship team is fair. But I think at the end of the day, the Pistons are building mainly around Cade Cunningham. So that argument isn't really as valid because it's not like everyone's saying or Troy Weaver's saying Jeremy Grant is the centerpiece of this franchise for the next 10 years. I mean, his contract ends after next season anyway. So we'll see what happens with that. And I think in terms of, you know, the trade talks with Jeremy Grant, um, I think the Pistons need to entertain them because at some point you do kind of want to see, you know, what sort of value you can get out there. And I think if they get a package of like two first round picks, like they got last year from the Boston Celtics for him, I think maybe they should take that. And, and the reason why I say that is just because I think the Pistons have a great, you know, centerpiece in Kate Cunningham. And I really do believe they'll find that second guy in this upcoming draft. And then, you know, who knows with Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart and who else comes out of, you know, that 2020 draft and turns into a better player possibly. But I'm not sure that Jeremy Grant is really a major part of this team's future for five years down the line, which is what they should be thinking of. So I don't know. I think it possibly makes sense to trade him. But again, it has to be for the right value because you have to consider one, Jeremy is 27 years old. So he's just entering his prime right now. Two, he's been balling out, you know, obviously the last two years now. And three, his contract is extremely low. It's just 20 million a year. That is a bargain deal for a guy who's averaging almost 20 a game, who averaged 22 last year. So if, you know, if he gets traded to someone like Philadelphia or something like that, for example, not only are they getting a great player and a relatively young player, but they're getting someone on a very manageable contract, which is huge in today's NBA since it seems like everybody's over the cap. So, you know, I think the Pistons should entertain the trade talks, but it has to be for the right offer because you can't just let them go, you know, for nothing. So at least that's that's my thoughts. Um, what do you think about that, though, Vinay? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the problem with Jeremy Grant is, you know, he's a great player to have around as the Pistons are restoring, quote-unquote, but a point that was brought up, I don't know if it was, I was talking to you, Neil, like separately, but like at the end of his contract, he's going to want a new one. And like, I have a, I have a fear, not necessarily fear, but as, as so, you know, a man, you know, like Jeremy Grant, who came in Detroit to prove that he's more than just like a three and D player. He probably wants that money. And like, I don't blame him. Like he's probably going to get the money, the bag thrown at him. If Tobias Harris is making 30 plus million dollars, I don't see why any team, I don't see why Jeremy Grant, couldn't get that. I know that's like kind of a reach, but he can get a lot more than his $20 million. And I wonder if the Pistons are going to match that. Like, I don't know if the Pistons are necessarily interested in giving Jeremy Grant 25, 26, even higher 
million dollars. So I know the whole emphasis has been on the 2022-2023 free agency class where they want to spend money, they want to get players and recruit them. Maybe maybe that's what they're going to do so they can get like a player like some players that have been brought up as like Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, those types of players, and then maybe keep Jeremy Grant at a lower price. I wonder like how that dynamic goes. And I think that's what's ultimately going to determine his fate with the Pistons, where if he's truly bought in, he may be willing to take like a discount. So then they can go out and get these, or like Malcolm Brown, they can get out, get these players in free agency. But um, with Jeremy Grant though, the main person that, the main thing, or the main rumor with Jeremy Grant that was there until the Sixers apparently want Cade Cunningham was Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons. And um, I think I'm going to pass personally. I just, I, we've talked about this before, and I think this will be the final time we do talk about it. Um, ben Simmons is like the anti this, this is, I don't know how you say that word, but he's the opposite of, I think, what the Pistons have been building. And we come, we talk about the offense struggling. We talk about the shots not falling. Why would we bring someone like Ben Simmons? Can you imagine a lineup with Killian, Cade, and Ben Simmons? And then you just have Sadiq Bey, who is unfortunately has become really streaky in terms of his shooting. And then Isaiah Stewart, who has potential as a shooter, but he's just not shooting it this year. So I just don't see, I don't see the value for him and Ben Simmons. Even although like I can see Grant Bay and Olenek, maybe you could maybe get another star, but I just, I don't see the need to, to push for that. If I'm the Pistons, I'm the Pistons. I'm going to that 2022 draft. I'm drafting a big, a big, I'm getting someone like Jalen Duren because this team, as we saw Anthony Davis tear it up, we need someone like that. And then just going from there. But yeah, that's, that's what I think. I know you guys have pretty strong opinions on Ben Simmons, and this is the last time we'll talk about it, but what do y'all think? Well, at least hopefully it's the last time we talk about it because, you know, I'm, I'm tired of hearing all these trade talks. I just think it's downright stupid. Like, Ben Simmons does nothing for this franchise in terms of meshing with the players that are, that are already here because, like you said, Vinay, I mean, first of all, this this franchise or this team is literally dead last in the NBA in three-point shooting. They're dead last in overall field goal percentage. How does Ben Simmons help that at all? He doesn't. Like, that's – he just doesn't at all. If anything, it gets way worse. And, I, you know, a lot of Pistons fans have been saying it can't get worse with the shooting right now. Trust me, it can. You get Ben Simmons. So, you know, it, it makes no sense for Detroit to do that um, unless they – you know, literally traded Cade and like got some other guys and then they're building around Ben Simmons for some reason. But why, you know, why in the world would you trade Cade Cunningham? It, it just, it doesn't make sense um, in my opinion at all. And I think the idea that, because I know in the report from the Philadelphia insider, who was the one who came up with this report, they said that the Sixers wanted, if it was Jeremy Grant in the deal, they wanted Jeremy Grant, a young player and a draft pick. First of all, the Pistons don't even have their first round pick for the next few years. They can't trade it because their pick is owned by, they traded it to the Rockets in 2020 and then now it's owned by the Thunder. Um, and because of that, it's then protected through, I believe like 2024 or something. So the earliest pick that they could even give up would be like 2025, which, you know, is a little weird. And I'm not sure you like risk your future like that for a guy like Ben Simmons. Um, and why would you give up a young player? Because I know the Sixers were possibly talking about Sadiq Bay. I don't think that makes sense. If you give up Killian Hayes, maybe that makes more sense because then you can pair Simmons with Cade Cunningham. But in my opinion, that just would have the same chemistry issues that the Pistons have been having with Hayes and Cade Cunningham already. So it just it makes no sense all around. And then on top of that, the last thing I'll say on this is that he is wrapped up for four more years on his contract. Which, if you're a small market team and you have the opportunity of getting someone like Ben Simmons, you would think that's a good thing. But with what's happened with Ben Simmons over the last few month, months is that his value has just plummeted. And I'm not sure he's even worth the value of his contract, which is at the end of his final year on the deal, he'd be paid, um, I think it's $40 million a year. So that makes no sense for the Pistons to be paying anyone like that and surely not Ben Simmons. Yeah. I mean, Daryl Morey is just going to Daryl Morey where he's just a gambler 
and he just keeps winning and winning and then he just keeps going all in and then he just loses one and he's all out and like he just keeps testing his luck and he just went overboard kind of with this and honestly like you were saying like his contract at the his last year neil is like 40 million dollars and then you were also talking about earlier about how teams are having trouble like staying under the salary cap so i think that just doesn't make sense um not not like the pistons have like a massive payroll right now because they don't but it, yeah just chemistry wise it doesn't make sense um who they're willing to give up cuz like i don't know i wouldn't really be willing to give up more than jeremy grant and Killian and like I guess Olenek like I don't think either one of you would be willing to give up Kate or Sadiq or Stewart probably for for Ben Simmons so I mean I I mean I personally I wouldn't um but yeah it just doesn't make sense um and it's kind of just getting old because Daryl Morey's just yeah he's just Daryl Morey so he, he just does that but um yeah, we could talk about a little bit about uh, Killian Hayes if you want to right now. Obviously, he didn't play. And we can also talk about, um, I don't know, some other guys that you think might be traded. I know there was – I forgot. There was a tweet. I don't remember who said it. But they were like, Corey jo- Joseph going to get traded for five second-round picks and it's going to go brazy. And I thought that was really funny. But – uh I mean, like, what do you think of Killian right now? Obviously, it looks like he's progressed a little bit more um, in his confidence and his shooting, and we know what he can do defensively. So what, what's the deal deal there, Vinay? <laughs> I think with Killian, like, the shot has gone better. He looks a lot more confident. But I do think it was kind of – and I, I'm not going to – I don't want to blame the coaching staff because – I mean, they obviously know what they're doing in terms of this injury and stuff, but it looked like a situation where Killian thought he was ready to play and he wanted to play, but it came at the expense of his left hand. So he was playing, he suffered that injury, I believe, in the win against Toronto. And then over the last couple of games, he's been playing in every single game. He's grabbing his left hand in pain. And, you know, to be honest, that just wasn't like a smart decision. I don't know whether it was just him pushing a play or the medical staff, whoever, but it was kind of a, it's kind of tough because now he's constantly just re-injured his left hand and now he's going to be out for a significant time. But in the times he has played, there hasn't, I'm not going to say outside of the Toronto game, there hasn't been like much like a wow factor. I think Killian has just been, he's just been on the court doing his thing. I will say the three-point shot looks a lot better. Um, That was something that was a big concern is if he can shoot threes and it looks like he can, it looks like he's kind of settling into the NBA. I think now fans are tempering their expectations, me personally too, that he's not going to be this crazy playmaker, James Harden-esque player. I don't even know if he reaches like a Lonzo Ball player. I mean, that is like a reasonable, like, I guess, ceiling. But I think he's just going to be like a solid – I don't know if he's a starter in the league, to be honest. But, like, I think he'll be, at at the best, like a solid backup, a solid backup. And then maybe potential starter if, like, the shot works out like right now I just don't see much um we saw we've seen flashes that's all that's all I'll say we've seen flashes I just want to see him put it all together because you compare this to someone like Cade Cunningham Cade is just dropping triple doubles 25 8 and 8 against the Sacramento Kings I mean Cade is just balling out and with Killian we're just told to be much more patient and patient and patient so I don't know I don't really see him I don't see him being like that you know go-to playmaker but I am enjoying I think I'm, I'm actually really happy for him though just like having a better season I don't know what do you what do y'all think about Killian yeah I mean it's unfortunate that his injury wasn't to his right hand because he never uses his right hand so you know that that wouldn't have hurt him as much but because he's so ball dominant with his left hand you know and then of course obviously he's he has a left-handed shot too um, it's been affecting his game a little bit. Frankly, I thought he did a pretty good job playing through it. Um, I mean, obviously his scoring just hasn't been there the past, you know, three, four games just because of that injury, but it, it already wasn't really there anyways. So 
you know, I think his playmaking has been pretty solid too. But yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. Obviously, Killian dealt with that injury. The I think it was the hip injury last year in his rookie season. It was like right after his like second game in the NBA, he gets hurt. So, you know, it's unfortunate that this keeps happening. And I did, you know, also kind of find it weird that the coaching staff let him play through it. And then now today they decide he's not going to play. So I don't know. In my opinion, honestly, I think you just rest him for honestly, I think maybe a week or two. Like, I think that's at least with hand injuries and what he has, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard would take for it to almost fully heal. One thing I will say is that that type of hand injury probably won't fully heal when you're in the middle of an NBA season and playing, you know, 82 games. So he's in a tough spot, but I think he'll probably, they'll probably rest him for a while and then hopefully he can fully reheal and he'll, he'll be fine. In terms of his development though, I think Killian definitely shown quite a few more flashes this season that Pistons fans have been looking for. I know the general narrative around Killian has kind of been changing in the positive direction, which is good to see. And that's just been because I'm pretty sure he's actually, he has the highest three point percentage of anyone on this team right now. And sure. That's also because he shoots like only three a game, but his shots gotten a lot better and he's actually a pretty solid, you know, catch and shoot shooter. So that's been very promising. He really needs to work, though, on his shot off the dribble because that's just not there. And, I mean, he'll literally get the ball behind the arc, and teams will just back off by, like, five feet because they know he's not going to pull up off the dribble. So he needs to work on that. He needs to work on his overall aggressiveness when he's driving to the hoop. Um, and then, obviously, his right hand hasn't really developed too much. But so those, those I know those are all negatives, but – other than that, his catch and shoot has been much better. His defense has been fantastic. I know in the Cleveland game, I'm pretty sure he had six steals in that one. So that was big time. And he's looked great defensively in general. And that backcourt with him and Cade is certainly going to be a tough backcourt to you know play offense against. So the flashes are there. We'll see if he can continue it, though. And then obviously the injury kind of hinders that, too. Yeah, I mean. I already talked a little bit about this, but you do have Cade Cunningham, Frank Jackson, Corey Joseph, even Saban Lee can all run the point without Killian. So I think you could take this, this injury as fast or as slow as you want. And I would probably prefer him to take it as slow as, as slow as he can, just so he'll be like 100% and we don't really have to deal with any of any of his injuries again because obviously he had that hip surgery last year and if he has to have surgery then again this year and stuff so like going into year three and year four when you know his contract might be up um I mean thinking just about him like if your contract's up you kind of want to be healthy to show off to teams what you can do so I think that's important just to make sure that he's 100%. So take it as slow as you want. Um, I touched a little bit about Saban Lee right there. Um, what What's his deal? Why is he not getting getting minutes? Because he, he's been dropping 40 balls in the G League. And, yeah, that's the Motor City Crews. But they could really use um, some scoring. And, obviously, they scored a decent amount tonight, whatever they scored, they scored like, 115 something like that but where where are we with Saban Lee and then I already said Corey Joseph like should he be taking Corey Joseph's minutes like what what is the point guards or like the one and two rotation there yeah no Corey Joseph um when he first came to Detroit he was so efficient and fans hated him because he was so efficient but now fans just hate him because he's just sometimes downright just terrible <laughs> I'm like I I understand Dwayne Casey loves Corey Joseph because they played in Toronto but there's just there's just times where I don't know I just it's just frustrating to watch like he just is taking like mid-range jumpers like there was one play where this was when Jeremy Grant like in the in this game towards the end of the second quarter when Jeremy Grant was hitting like four threes in a row after the third three they're pulling the they get the rebound they're like going up the 
They're going up the floor. And instead of feeding it to the hot hand, which Cade does on the next play, Corey Joseph decides, hey, you know, it's my time to get on this. And then he just bricks a, a like 20-foot mid-range shot. And it just kind of encapsulates the Corey Joseph experience. I don't think by any means he's like a bad player. But I do think like it is kind of interesting how much Dwayne Casey relies on him. And to be honest, like it's kind of I don't like I don't like the decision to start him with Cade. I know I know Frank Jackson hasn't proved himself, although we've talked about how he's done so well recently. If I'm Dwayne Casey, I'm like I'm putting either Frank Jackson or Diallo starting with Cade. I think I've been really wanting to see the Diallo lineup. But even Frank Jackson, I think those two players should be in there over Corey Joseph. And I know Corey Joseph isn't even like a great defender he's just like a game manager I don't know how to describe it and it's frustrating that Saban Lee isn't seeing the time I will say this though the competition in the G League is like it's like the it's it's much lower than the NBA so it's like because I because it is it's actually ridiculous like if you actually look at the G League leading scores of like all time you'll find out that most of those players never did anything in the NBA so that's something to keep in mind. And also when Saban Lee did come into the game, I forgot. I think it was against the Sacramento Kings when we were getting blown out. He looked really timid still. Like the shot, his three-point shot specifically, he just looks still kind of scared to shoot it. But I think, I think ultimately, Dwayne Casey's kind of one of those coaches with, where he's like kind of stubborn, not want to say stubborn, but he's a little bit slower to make changes throughout the course of the season. So my belief is that as the season goes on, Kojo will get less minutes and we'll get Saban Lee, but it just takes time. I think Dwayne Casey really, really likes to get the full picture, you know, no matter how excruciating long it is, like how, no matter how long it is, especially we saw he keeps the bench players on for five minutes while the Lakers have Russ and AD on. Now I'm not going to get into that, but like he really likes to take his time with this. So in the end, I think though Saban Lee will get more playing time. Yeah, I could see it. Um, I, you know, I actually kind of like Corey Joseph being in, actually. And maybe that's just me. It, it is tough to watch the second lineup just because, you know, it's a bunch of guys that, frankly, already lost their chance a little bit. And so when you look at the starting lineup, it's a bunch of guys that have quite a bit of potential that you'd love to see put together great games. But, you know, for the Pistons, when it's Corey Joseph, Trey Lyles, um, Kelly Olenek to a certain extent it's kind of like well what are we looking at here you know it's just they're not really there to pre present that much future value for the team but one thing that I'll say with Corey Joseph is that I think leadership and mentorship is very important in the league and I think Corey Joseph definitely gives that to these young guys you know I think last year we saw that with Derrick Rose and Killian Hayes Derrick Rose is a great mentor for Killian and obviously those two had a really good relationship and Derek Rose just kept trying to show him how the NBA works and, you know, teach him a little bit as in terms of being a point guard. And so I, I don't mind Corey Joseph getting the playing time he does. I think he also gives us a better chance at winning more consistently than someone like Saban Lee does, because I think Saban Lee will have some games that, you know, of course he looks amazing in, and you say, wow, you know, this dude, why was he drafted 38th overall? He should have been top 15 maybe, but then he has some games that you look at and you say, how is this dude even drafted? And so I don't know. It's just, he's really inconsistent. And I think what the Pistons are doing is they want to see better consistency in the G league. But one, you know, another issue that I have with them with Saban Lee is that I'm not sure he meshes well at all with the Pistons players. And I know he wouldn't get that many minutes with uh, Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bey. However, you know, in the summer league, he just did not look good with those guys. They did not mesh well at all. They, they played bad competition. They were losing all their games. And so I think it's something to look at, but I do think that he definitely deserves a chance at getting some minutes, just like Hamidou Diallo deserved a chance of getting minutes that he's certainly been proving recently. So that'll be something to look forward to. Um, and in general, you know, I think the point guard rotation is getting very interesting because this kind of leads into the next topic, but what do you guys think of Cade Cunningham's recent games? I know we always, we're always talking about him, but he's the number one pick, the first number one pick this franchise has had since what, 1960 or something. Very important. And 
you know, to me, Cade's been starting to really string together quite a few starts. And then, of course, tonight had that triple-double. So what have you guys seen from him the past few games? Has he been impressing you or what? I mean, even, even tonight, you could tell that he still has growing pains and that, you know, like against the Kings and against who do they play last? I forgot. But they're like Golden State, he, he was all right. But you can tell he just has growing pains. I think tonight he wasn't he wasn't that good. Shoot he 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 struggles um a little bit like streaky, a little bit of streaky shooting. Um, but I don't know. He yeah, okay. Tonight he was one for nine from from three. So yeah, like he he has those games, obviously like first first night or like his debut he played like pretty bad um but yeah again it's growing pains no one really saw uh like guys like Carl Anthony Towns I know they play different positions but like he had he struggled his rookie year and now he's like pretty solid for like a number one pick um Trey Young obviously like didn't have the greatest rook. I mean, like he was all he was first team all rookie, but you know, his start was like not the best. So I think I think it just comes with being like a top pick and just being 19 years old in the NBA and adjusting to it is it's hard. It'd be hard for anyone. He's not, you know, the the sole person struggling. Um and that that just accounts for all the rookies, like even Jalen Green. If you look at what he's done, he's been, you know, really streaky and he talks more shit than Cade. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, I, it, it seems pretty normal. And obviously we haven't had a first round or first overall pick since I've been alive or any of us have been alive. So, so this, this is a little bit of new territory, but it, it just seems pretty normal. Vinay, what do you think? I'll say, like, for Cade, I'm just, like, I know the shooting isn't there. Today, he actually struggled. Today was kind of probably, I would say, probably his top three. Like, the first two games were his worst games. I think this comes in as third in terms of just, like, his in- inefficiency. It was kind of like a Westbrook triple-double, to be honest, which is, which is like, you can either take that as how as you will. But, I mean, I've just been so impressed by the way he's, the game just comes so effortless. To him. It just comes so easy to him. It looks like he can get by anyone out. In this game, he did have a rookie moment. Uh, I think it was it was in no, it was in the fourth quarter. He goes up for the three. Davis blocks him. Then he goes for the layup, and Davis blocks him again. And those, I guess, are the growing pains. But even then, like there haven't been many moments like that uh, outside of just like missed shots. Like the Pacers game comes to mind, where Cade comes into the fourth quarter, and then the game turns around. All of a sudden, the offense picks it up. Cade's hitting shots. Another game, the Kings game, the Pistons got blown out, but Kate drops 25, 8, and 8. Even the Raptors game, Kate struggles all night. And then in the fourth quarter, he turns it on, puts OG in an OB, gets a move, you know, makes a move on in an OB and finishes. So I've just been so impressed. I think like the stats, maybe the inefficiency, I guess if someone was looking at his like three point shooting numbers, like, oh, you know, he's shooting so badly. But like there's stuff he does that just isn't recorded on the on the box score that just like you can tell it's going to lead to it's going to lead to winning like he's just a winning player he's a player he's like Russell Westbrook if Russell Westbrook is like a losing player Cade is like a, a winning player and I can I just get really excited all these games so far I mean he's only like played eight games he already has triple double I believe he's the eighth youngest player to have a triple double he's dropping like I think at you minus the first two games he's averaging like 16 six and four I mean and this is for someone who's only like you said like only like 20 years old he's only 20 years old yet he's doing this like I just get really excited to see what he can do in his prime a lot of people when we drafted him were saying oh you know he's going to just be a Chris Middleton he's going to be a number two option you know and I think that's just because Detroit got the number one pick they would have been all over him if he went to like Toronto or Houston or another team but I honestly think like I'm I'm very very optimistic that he's going to soon be a superstar in this league and I, I I can already I can already see it I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really happy we have him for sure. Yeah, 
definitely. I mean, I think with that rookie moment that you talked about with Anthony Davis, it kind of gave a great example of one of Cade's weaknesses, which is athleticism, because he doesn't have that blow by speed that, you know, someone like Jalen Green or the other players from this draft and, you know, of course, other young players in general have um, because he got blocked by AD on that three, picks up the ball, dribbles it up the lane and just gets absolutely swatted at the rim by Anthony Davis once again. And it was a great example of just how he can't really explode by you and then get around. But that's that's not Cade's game. You know, he does a lot of other things that, you know, very, very well. He's a very technically sound player. And I just keep thinking, man, if his stop, if his shots start falling, oh, my goodness, he's going to be dropping a 30 ball very soon. And honestly, I could see him start averaging like 20 points a game like very consistently if his shot just starts falling because he's had, I mean, that Sacramento Kings game, I'm trying to think, I'm pretty sure that was a game that he had 25 points. Um, he didn't even shoot the ball too well in that game. And he's had other games like the Pacers game. He had 16 points, so on and so forth that he hasn't shot the ball well, but he's still getting easily double figures close to 20. And it's just like, well, if he starts hitting the three, you know, you throw in three or four more three point shots in there that is literally a consistent 25 points a game scorer. And so I'm very excited for the future with Cade, just because I think that shot will eventually start going in. He's always been a good shooter. He was a good shooter in high school, shot 40% from three in college. So it'll start going down. Um, it's, it's not really a question of if it does, but more of when. And so, and then in terms of the other things too, I think he's a fantastic leader. I mean, you can already tell that this team has a good chemistry and good uh, relationships with each other just because Kate really is taking the team and really leading them. And he's very loud on the court in, in terms of telling guys what to do today in the Isaiah Stewart fight, he was screaming at his face and Isaiah Stewart was, it seemed like calming down a little bit, but then of course he started charging at the flagrant foul again. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, like, like you said, Vinayak, there's quite a few things that don't go in the box score that Cade does that they have to be happy about. And so at the end of the day, he's the future of this team. He's the centerpiece. So it'll be very interesting to see how he develops. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. This was kind of an emergency episode, you know, after the beat, after the altercation between LeBron and Beef Stew, we just had to get on the pod. But thanks so much for listening. Go out and check out our social medias at the Three Rings Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. We're trying to do live tweeting and live and posting, um, posting for Pistons game and Pistons content in general. So yeah, thanks guys for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Steal Mickey and a Disney. <laughs> Peace.